Hello and welcome to Don't Feed the Geeks, presented by the Long Island Comic Guys, the masters of the geeky verse. Well, welcome back, geek freaks. We have another exciting episode for you guys today. Uh, I am TC, joined today by JJ. <laughs> and hi, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. That's <laughs> uh, Toy Story, also known as Matt. <laughs> Um, that was interesting. You keep telling me to do something. Yeah. Uh, I think the snake in the booth thing is fine. Man, they're very resistant to the snake in the booth. Or the infinity and like beyond. Those are the really mm. like no-brainers. I'm not feeling it. He seems to not he, he doesn't seem to like those two for some strange reason. I don't get it. I don't really know if there's a better one. We'll we'll, we'll mm. workshop it. I'm going to spend the entirety of my weekend figuring out the perfect catchphrase <laughs> for you. And, and you know it's sad he's going to do that. Oh, yeah. You're going to have, <laughs> have 65 list. texts about different catchphrases uh, by 11 p.m. tonight. <laughs> that's so funny. All right, guys. We have a really awesome episode for you today. Um, we're interviewing Anthony Desiato. He did this really cool documentary called My Comic Shop Country. Uh, he's a friend of our buddy Jeff. Um, he kind of helped us um, you know, reach out and get in touch with him. So he's going to tell us all about, you know, kind of his journey into comics and, you know, how he got into, you know, what made him decide to do the, um, the documentary. So we're really excited um, to share that interview with you. Uh, it's something that was really cool. We hope you all go out and watch the interview. Um, sorry, the documentary called My Comic Shop Country. It was really good. We all really enjoyed it. I mean, anyone who's, you know, a comic fan and has their own comic shop, will absolutely love this. So mm-hmm. highly recommend you guys uh, go and check that out. Recognize uh, a lot of faces in it too. Oh, 100%. Shops. Yeah, especially people in the, you know, Northeast area, mm-hmm. you're going to know um, a bunch of people um, in this uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. But before that, we're going to do something we haven't actually done in a while. A kind of traditional geek beat. Somewhat hey. traditional, even though we only so, have one thing yeah, to talk about. we're going to spice it up a little bit, but... As always, we're going to send that over to Toy Story to take it away. So this news just came out today when we're recording this, Mm -hmm. which is Friday, June 5th, and Mm -hmm. this is huge. So DC announced today that they are cutting ties with Diamond Comic Distributors. So for those of you that don't know, um, the way comic shops get their books, they get them through all mostly like 99% this one distributor, Diamond Comics. Marvel, DC, Image, IDW, they all go through Diamond and they have for years. Um, ever since well, any of us been have like been 25 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. They've been around forever. Um, they're like, they've, 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 I don't think they've ever been the only ones in the game, but they're definitely like the, you know, they, they come from the bulk majority of them. And this is run by Steve Sheppy, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Oh, he, he runs diamond. Yeah. Yes. He's, I think he's the founder of oh. diamond. Yeah. Correct. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, so today all the retailers, um, any comic shops, got this message from D- this email from DC, basically saying, you know, we're cutting ties with Diamond. Here's other distributors you can go through now to get us. So it's essentially there's a, there's three other distributors now that'll be uh, handling DC's books. Yeah. Now these are not these are not, you know, these are new distributors from my understanding, right? They they've never they haven't been in the game at all. No, right? they're not. They're not new. They're just small. From what I understand, they're smaller. Um, so two of them are okay. Lunar Distribution and UCS Comic Distributors. Um, that's where they'll be able to get the weekly books from. And then if they want graphic novels and stuff, um, Penguin House, Penguin Random mm-hmm. House. 
That's crazy. It's it's definitely going to be a pain for the the comic shops for sure. Yeah. Because now they have to go through three different um, places to make their orders as opposed to one. And no more I, DC in previews. I know. So that's going to that's gonna kind of stink. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I read like the thing that um, DC said and it's like, you know, it's supposed to make the comic experience a better experience. It's assuming, mm. I think the assumption that comic book readers only read DC comics is a very incorrect assumption because yeah. there's pl- probably people who do only read DC, <laughs> but I have to imagine the majority of comic readers read across the spectrum of different publishers. 100%. And to, and to yep. make them do that, it's kind of a pain in the butt. And granted, I don't order through previews. I've actually thought about it in the past, but mm-hmm. I just, you know, I send my weekly polls to Best Comics. They always pull what I need. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've done it pretty much since I've got into this for the past yeah. seven years. I used to, when I was doing weeklies, I did previews. You did? Um, yeah, I did. I liked it because I'd, I'd get all the image books that would always run out the day they came out. Yeah. You know, I'd order, I'd pre-order them. They're mine, yeah. you know, because I ordered them two months in advance. But, but do you that's get to see be all a- the covers too when you do that or you don't? Most of the time, yeah. yeah. A lot of the times they want a variance and stuff ready. Yeah. But yeah. two months out, they usually have enough. But... Like it was great because you could order everything in one place. Now, what are customers who do previews going to do? You know. Yeah, it's definitely going to be frustrating for them. And those are definitely like I feel like the old school people all do it that way too. Mm-hmm. It's definitely you know something that people have grown accustomed to, and it's going to mm-hmm. be it's going to be kind of annoying. I also wonder why. Like, what's what's what happens? <laughs> so, go ahead. So I, the, the, I mean, this is this shouldn't be really surprising because wasn't this talked about like right when we kind of went into lockdown, like. I feel like they were going to announce this like three months ago and then COVID hit and they didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I I had a feeling that this was coming. I mean, I listen, it's a big surprise. I kind of thought it was going to happen. I assume that, you know, it was happening because, you know, diamond did pull out, you know, they shut operations down during the vice. I thought that's what I thought. Maybe there's more to it. I think there's probably a lot of different factors. I think DC is trying to cut out the middleman. Now, it's funny because... Yeah, but they're going through three other middlemen now. I'm sure this is going to come up in our interview. Um, I think this is going to be definitely bad for the comic shops. I think think DC is trying to get their hands directly to the consumer. And I don't know. It just seems like... I've also heard, and this is just rumors. I don't know if there's any truth to this. DC is trying to push to have their stuff be released on Tuesday as opposed to Wednesday. That would be nuts. So it's just, that'd be another separate day that all like the Wednesday warriors would have to like, well, now I have to go and get my DC books on Tuesday. And I think it's going to, I mean, me personally, I would just wait for the one day to get everything. But I mean, it's just going to, you know, cause people to have to do another thing. So I just actually, sorry, God, that would, that would disrupt a lot of people. I would think have to go out two different days. Yeah. Especially like for people who have to go to like, like when you go to Midtown, you have to go in there and kind of like rush. I can only imagine yeah. that would be like a scene because, oh, there's a special DC variant this day. And then yeah. tomorrow I got to come back because there's a special Marvel variant this day, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I think we were saying it before. We wouldn't be surprised if Marvel t- tries to pull like, you know, an- the- something very similar. I mean, if Marvel pulls out too, I can't imagine Diamond's going to be able to stay yeah, I don't know. with just the independent. I think, I think the article said too that they were having money troubles also, like paying some bills and stuff like that. Yeah. 
I just found um, Steve Jeppe's statement, Diamond statement today, if you guys want to hear. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, go so, for it. today DC sent, this is Steve Jeppe, today DC sent out a retailer communication indicating that they are ending their longstanding relationship with Diamond. In April, we were informed that DC was going to begin distributing products through additional partners. At that time, they asked us to submit a proposal for a revised agreement with the understanding that Diamond would continue to be one of their distributors, which we promptly did. Then they requested an extension to June 30th because of coronavirus. And then last week, DC requested an additional extension through July. Uh, We responded with questions, and DC indicated they will reply today, June 5th. Instead of receiving a response today, we received a termination notice. Hmm. Well, I guess this is the first order of business from Jim Lee, huh? It's pretty um, pretty, uh, cut and dry there. Yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's a business. I don't know. I mean, I've heard a lot of complaints, you know, from the diamond side and previews too about how, you know, and and again, you know, we even hear it in this, um, the this um, documentary about how, you know, companies are forced to order so far in advance and they don't know what people are going to want and what they don't. So, I mean, if they're trying to make that experience better, maybe it's a good thing, but I, I honestly don't know. It's just. Yeah, I'm curious I'm, if they'll still adhere to the two month out thing. Yeah, I'm. I, I have no idea if it's a if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. kind of like until further notice. I think. Yeah, I feel. I feel like more is going to come out about this too. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. We're going to hear more and more. Like yeah. once you know, once the poop hits the fan. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Crazy. But Crazy. um, yeah, that's the kind of the biggest news. So. We recorded this on Friday, so this yeah. literally just happened. Yeah. <laughs> happened today. It's crazy. Um, if there's any more information out by the time this is released, um, three days from now. Yeah, I'm sure we'll post We'll it talk about, about it on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, speaking right. of that, um, we uh, – so what did we do first? The, you want to you talk about free comic book week? Yeah, yeah. let's do that. How that crazy just, was that? That, that, that? Oh, my God. Free Comic Book Week. It was Free Comic Day, essentially. It, it basically was. <laughs> it's there's a that the Diamond has their um has their cause in that, so we have to call it IG Free Comic Week. Yeah. But um, it was amazing. You know, we did it with a bunch of other um, you know, comic book vendors and um, shops, and it was amazing. You know, everybody had to follow all of us. There was about ten other accounts. And the IG Free Comic Book Week account as well. Um, you know, Minor Keys. Uh, is it Minor Key Comics? Minor Keys yeah. Comics, yeah. Yeah, and um, Bucky's Books, uh, We Can Be Heroes. They kind of spearheaded a lot of the effort, but it was amazing. The turnout, like we hit maximum capacity pretty much day one. Mm-hmm. The uh, I think the initial... Um, amount of free books that we were planning on was 300 and we bumped it up to 360. So it's been amazing. We saw a lot of new, uh, a lot of new followers. It was great for us. It was great for the community. I think it was a really nice thing. I think the, the main point was a really big thank you to everybody to, you know, throughout all this craziness that's going on and, you know, coronavirus and everything else, you know, it was a real, you know, way to say thank you to the community. And, you know, we gave, you know, totally. a ton of books away. I think we gave away a lot of kind of good books too. I mean, you know, we weren't giving away Hulk 181s, but there were some nice books uh, circulating around yeah. there. You know, we gave some of our uh, stickers and uh, business cards as well mm-hmm. out to people. So um, it was fun. You know, we saw um, it was definitely worth it 
from our end just to, you know, say thank you. But, um, you know, we got a great response back too. And, uh, a lot, well, it was all positive responses. So that's always good. So decide <laughs> for people to start getting their books. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. And yeah. Cause like, I don't know, I don't know what, if anything they're expecting, you know, yeah, I was just like, I was like, I, I mean, I definitely didn't send like, if I sent like a slightly beat up book, it was like, a silver age book. Yeah. And it was just like, it was like a pretty nice silver yeah. age book. Like I, have a few I didn't send anything like less than a five out. And that was the only like yeah. a silver age. I, I think I have a few like $10 books in my. Oh uh, yeah. There's definitely, <laughs> I, I sent out like a, I actually sent out a free comic book day book. That was probably like a 10 to $15. Book. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, um, you know, it's funny. I got, I've got, I've got hundreds of those free comic book day books. Some of them are, are worth good money. Of, are they really? Yeah. Some of them are. You have to look. There's like, yeah. out of all of them, I think maybe 10 to 15 mm -hmm. are like kind of money oh. books. Yeah. Well, I've got boxes of them. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So that was cool. We all had fun with that. And yeah. then yep. we are also getting involved in something else. So you're going to hear more about this tomorrow because we're going to be going live with um, a Minor Key Comics again. And we're going to be showcasing some of the stuff that we're going to be vendoring at, at Con 2 with Elite Comics 11. I think Elite Comics 11 will be streaming tomorrow as well. You should Definitely be, look yeah. into that. Um, follow us on Instagram uh, at licomicguys uh, for, um, for that information. We'll, uh, we'll share who's going to be um, kind of streaming it. But I know we're doing it with uh, minor keys. Yeah. But uh, we're getting involved in at Con 2. Yeah, super exciting. It's going to be a lot of work. Um, we, I, I don't think we can say what day and you know time slot and everything yet. I think that's still in the wraps. But um, what do you guys think? You, you guys excited? I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. Nervous. I'm, yes. I'm happy to sell our own stuff instead of just helping uh, other people. It has, been, <laughs> it has been great to help everybody yeah. else, and um, you know we were happy to do that. But you know, yeah. I think I think now we, we we deserve a little bit of our own. So. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, of course. It's, um, yeah. I do. You guys have anything like that you are really excited to get out and you know share with people in terms of what we have to sell? Like, yeah, books. I won't say them by name, but you're like you're looking to like move Silver Age, your Golden Age, your variants. Mr. JJ. Well, probably mostly variants and uh, mm -hmm. variants. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Excellent. I got I got two nice uh, silver and bronze runs. Mr. Matisse knows about them. He helped me grade some of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I and then I got and then I got two not huge key well huge keys but lower like you know on the lower end of the the uh, grading scale. Affor affordable big keys. Yeah, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. is that a way to describe it? That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I have a little I've bit. Got, of, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I've got a, I've got a cool, I'm not going to say what title it is, but it's one through, I think about 30, which I'm going to, hopefully they'll probably get all get wiped out. I would imagine. Ooh, I'm excited. I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. I'll have to talk about this yeah. afterwards. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I have a little bit of everything. I've got some moderns. I've got variants. I have a ton of graded. Yeah. you got a nice spread. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of silver and bronze age, um, runs that I want to put out there as well. Uh, you know, I think we're going to, I think we're looking, you know, a good mix. You know, we're not trying to do all big money books, although there will be a few. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're going to have, you know, stuff in like the, you know, 15 to $25 range, you know, just hot, you know, some stuff that's hot, that's new and modern, 
you know, some bigger keys that from the silver and bronze age, but just, I think we're going to have a, I think we're going to have better than we even expect at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we keep talking about it and it's just like, Oh yeah, I forgot we had that. Yeah. Like, at oh, first yeah, we were like, gonna... Oh, do we have, do we have enough cool stuff? You know? This... Yeah. And it's uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'll be honest. I love doing that stuff. Even when we've done it for other people, I just love doing it. Like mm-hmm. I would do aside from the physical exhaustion you feel, I would do like a comic convention every day. Yeah. I would literally do it every day. If I didn't have to pack and, and repack, I would do it every day. If I could just show up with all the books set up and just sell all day, and even if it's not like a ton of people, I love doing that stuff. I think it's, it's immensely fun. It is. You know, it's something that you're passionate about. And, you know, not to, I would never call specific, I don't think a lot of people who do that enjoy it that much. You're right. Like, hey, dude, find another hobby. <laughs> I was like, or do something. Else. I was like, if, if if you're if you're in too deep, I get it, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've said too much. I've come too far. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. No, you're all good. Are, are we are we done? Now? So yeah, we're done. be on the lookout for that, guys. Um, make sure you um, tune in to our um, Instagram uh, live. I think it's going to be at eight o'clock tomorrow, which is the eleventh. Ninth. The ninth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Tomorrow the 9th at 8 p.m. We're going to be going live with Steve from Minor Keys. I don't know what account it's going to be on, but you, the information should already be out there. Mm-hmm. All right. So Good stuff. how about we uh, move on to our interview with Anthony Desiato? Let's do it. All right, everyone. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, creator of the incredible My Comic Shop Country documentary that was recently released, Anthony Desiato. Anthony, welcome to the show. Welcome to Don't... Hey. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do this. Yeah, well, we're really excited to talk about the documentary. We've all seen it uh, at this point, which should be good since we're going to ask you about it and talk about it. Um, It definitely, and you know, we know as as much as uh, some other people, it gives you incredible insight into the inner workings of a comic book shop. Um, But before we get into that, we would let what we like to do with all our guests is talk about your comic or geek origin story in the world of geek and stuff like that so what was your first um once you emerged from the nest what was the first uh what was the first geek thing that uh caught your eye you reached for <laughs> sure sure so uh it's funny because like on my podcast i've told this story so many times like i know my listeners oh, are like, yeah. sick of hearing it, but, uh, <laughs> I love, but i love telling it because it's uh it's like one of those those moments that like really set me on a on a path right that ultimately led to this uh so for me i was five years old it was uh late 92 death of superman was out mm-hmm. and uh i was at um the white plains location of heroes world the now defunct chain and uh it was you know holiday time and i was with my parents and we were in front of we you know we came upon the store and in the window display they had uh put a little superman action figure in like a in a box to mimic a coffin and that was how they (laughs) how they promoted the death of superman and it's like i knew who the character was like i had seen you know uh you know some of the movies again i was i was five years old i was little but like i knew who the character was i think i had the action figure so uh like it it caught my attention and i don't even know what sort of like conception of death i even had at that point like i I don't know but it it really it caught my eye 
and uh, my parents brought me in. They bought me the uh, the collected edition of the Death of Superman. Yeah. Um, you know, now stuff comes out in trade real quick. Then it didn't, yeah. but DC put that one out like right away. Yeah. And that was it. And I was hooked. My dad read it to me, and then shortly thereafter, I was reading on my own. And you know, Superman's my favorite character. I've been a fan ever since. And uh, so that moment in front of Heroes <laughs> World, that was it for me. Yeah, same for me. I actually, I probably read that same collection. Um, it was probably like the second or third comic thing I had ever read, but it was it was definitely awesome. Yeah. Um, don't don't feel bad about telling the same stories. That's all we do. I think that's all podcasters do is tell <laughs> yeah. the same stories over and over. What's yeah, the name of the your first podcast? Time for someone new. Mine is uh, my comic shop history. My comic shop. Oh, awesome! Nice. I like that. I like that. Very nice. All right. So after you're done listening to our podcast, go listen to uh, Anthony's yeah. My Comic Shop <laughs> History. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so how did you first find yourself at alternate realities so uh i grew up in hartsdale and uh, alternate realities was in scarsdale just one town over uh so i think like most comic book fans right you check out all the stores that that are in the <laughs> area at some point although like heroes world was my store that was my go-to place mm-hmm. but i remember it was one time I think they might have sold out of like uh, an issue of Supergirl or something that uh, that I wanted to read, and so I went to Alternate Realities and they had it. And so AR was kind of the place I would go, um, you know, just kind of sporadically, or if there was something I couldn't get at Heroes World. And then, uh, it's somewhat of a traumatic experience. Uh, one day I went to the, the mall where Heroes World was, and the store was gone. Uh, they, had, <laughs> they had closed. <laughs> It closed and cleared out in uh, the two weeks since I had last been there. Oh the last God. time I was there, like there was wow. no indication or no signs, no nothing. And again, I was in <laughs> elementary school. Like it was, uh, you know, I don't want to oversell. And traumatic is maybe a little bit much, but it was like For that a kid, was my it's pretty place. traumatic. Yeah, yeah. And it was just gone. And I remember <laughs> I was with my mom, and I remember like she took me into the store. It was like a shoe store, or, like a like a sneaker store next door, and. Uh, she was like, did, did the Heroes World move? Like that, we, had, we were holding on to that little bit of <laughs> that maybe it was just elsewhere. It's a mall. It's like, All right, maybe They're upstairs. They're there, right? <laughs> nope. Like that was it. Um, and it's funny. I did an episode on Heroes World uh, on my podcast last year. And it was hard to, like, I, I ended up just interviewing Steve Odo from Alternate Realities. He had actually worked at Heroes World. Uh, oh, wow for a brief period of time but it was hard like to even track anyone down like i couldn't find and i only had like first anybody of people right? who who worked there yeah it was it was tough oh, but um but so, so once your old world world was done that's when uh, ar became the go-to spot for me nice so you went there up until they closed essentially yep it's crazy yeah yeah i worked there throughout uh high school and college and law school and um yeah and then the store closed uh, five years ago we're coming up on the five-year anniversary this month yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into it then but that was definitely the hardest part of watching the documentary for us yeah especially i think anyone who's uh who has a local shop it was just like oh it was like a, a gut-wrenching part of the uh of the the movie the film yeah no uh for for me too you know it was uh it, you know, from the start, like I knew sort of uh, we would open and close on, the, you know, the way that we did. And then as I was putting it together, I had the idea for those, you know, little interludes because I kind of wanted to have that like uh, emotional connective mm-hmm. tissue throughout the movie. And I thought, you know, this is really is the most personal aspect of this. Like as much as we talk about the business and the back issues and the collectability and all the fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was an opportunity to really show like, I mean, you see it in the other aspects too, but like to really show what it means and also 
like throughout the movie, we're talking about all the struggles that a shop faces and, you know, what's in the background of all of that is mm-hmm. if those become, if those struggles are too much, like a store could close. And so here's the story. This is what happens when a store closes and how it affects the people. So I thought it, you know, it would connect well in that way too. But, uh, but yeah, that was, you know, for me, obviously the, the most personal part. So is that the reason you, you made the documentary because that happened? Yes and no. Um, in the sense, yes, in the sense that uh, it was AR's closing that kind of set me on this path to start to try to figure out like, okay, what I experienced at Alternate Realities, was that happening at other stores? Were those other communities, you know, forming there? So in that sense, uh, yes, but it wasn't like I made the movie because I wanted to chronicle the closing on film or anything like that. But uh, but it. yeah, with, without, and that's the, that's the very bittersweet part about all of this is that uh, if AR hadn't closed, like I, w- I wouldn't have started my podcast and we wouldn't have this yeah. documentary. So some cool stuff has come from it, but yeah. you know, I still miss my, my shop. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. It's years of memories, right? Yeah. It's crazy. All right. So what, uh, what made you choose to do, to, to, to use Kickstarter to do this, uh, this platform? The fundraising. Yeah. The fundraising. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do any of you guys have experience with, with crowdfunding? Mm. Uh, doing it now. yeah just buying. <laughs> yeah be, being a supporter not gotcha. um, starting one uh well and that's no small thing but uh yeah as far as running a campaign it's it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> it's oh. really uh it's a it's a big undertaking but i knew i had done three documentaries prior you know one that was fully about alternate realities years before it closed and then a couple of others as well and um you know it was the equipment that I had was very basic and, uh, you know, it allowed me to do what I needed to do, but I knew for this one, I kind of wanted to get to the next level. And so I raised, you know, a relatively modest amount. I mean, it was $15,000 through this Kickstarter, which was a lot to me, but you know, at the same time, when you talk about a film budget, that's real real small, but uh, that allowed me to get the new equipment that I wanted to work with. Uh, And so, you know, I'm really happy with the finished product and, and the aesthetic we were able to achieve, especially compared to what I had done before. So uh, yeah, it was, it was to enable me to, again, get that equipment and make a little bit more of a polished product, but also, and I guess this is the other thing with crowdfunding, like the value in it is that it allows you to gauge if there's an audience for this. And so if the Kickstarter hadn't worked, obviously I would have been disappointed, of course, but I would have been able, I think I would have had some measure of peace to say, okay, I tried. There's not meant to just be. not enough people who want to see this movie from me, at least. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, that didn't happen. But so those that was those were the, the two reasons to do it. That's a great point. I was just I didn't even think about it that way. I was like, if people want to see it, you know, they'll get behind it. Yeah, so exactly. It's really true. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and the, you, the, go ahead. Sorry. Now, how did you work out? You know, broadcasting this out to people. I mean, because Kickstarter is pretty. You got to be part of really Kickstarter to know what you know what the uh campaigns are like did you do email blasts like how did you gain spread the word yeah there were a lot of parts to it it's really funny because uh a friend of mine recently did a a kickstarter she and 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 her uh, business partner for um like an, an aerial studio and they put their Kickstarter together like so fast. They had never done one before and it, and it succeeded. And I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, I can't believe it. Cause I like, I so much went into this and there was such a long build up to it for me. Um, I just tried to, again, not having had the experience before, I really just thought, 
you know, I wanted to set myself up for success and cover as many bases as possible. And, uh, you know, looking back, you know, I don't know, maybe I could have scaled back a little bit. I, I don't know, but thankfully everything worked. But, um, you know, one of the main things that I did was the third season of my podcast was really leading up to the Kickstarter. And so in that season, that was when I started visiting other stores just with the podcast. So no filming or anything yet. But I started visiting other shops and that was sort of that did a number of things for me because all in every episode I mentioned the Kickstarter's coming, the Kickstarter's coming, the Kickstarter's here. So that helped. Uh, it was a bit of casting for the movie. Like most of the stores that were in that season are in the documentary. So that was helpful. It gave me the tools creatively that, that I would use to tell the story because, again, my experience had been very singular. It had been really at this at alternate realities for years. Um, and because I was so enmeshed in the alternate realities world, it's not like I went to a ton of other shops. Like once alternate realities was my place, I worked there, I shopped there, that was pretty much it. So it was really helpful to, uh, to go to the other stores, you know, for that purpose uh, as well. And, uh, and that season in particular, I think helped grow the podcast audience because each time I would go to a store and they were on the episode, they would share that, that got, that brought me new listeners. So that helped. And then I was able to get a good bit of press uh, in, you know, within the, the comics industry. So we were on Newsarama and 13th Dimension and Bleeding Cool and all that. Yeah. And that, I think that helped a lot as well. And, and I had an email list and I, you know, I did all, <laughs> I covered as many bases as I could. Yeah, and a, of lot course. Of, a lot went so, into the rewards too as well. So not only did you do all that, but you also, you also wrote this, you directed it, you produced it, you did everything to this thing. Um, that's that's got to be a whole challenge on itself, right? I mean, to do everything from start to finish. Was there any enjoyment? You know, was there a part of that that you really enjoyed doing? And on the other hand, what part was the worst part of it all? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it would be terrible if I didn't enjoy any aspect. <laughs> well, uh, but but your question is is a, is a good one because yeah, there it was it was a lot to balance, especially you know. Uh, the fact that I have a nine to five day job. So, uh, and especially that a project like this involved a lot of travel. Uh, thankfully I, I was able to kind of combine some work travel with filming. So that helped uh, in a number of ways, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a large undertaking. I think, you know, as you I'm sure you guys know, like when you have the passion for something that, that carries you through a lot of it. I mean, as far as the, the pieces that I enjoyed the most, um, Again, I love hosting the podcast, so I think my favorite part of filming was conducting the interviews. Uh, that was probably my favorite part. Um, and it's sad because, you know, I filmed, you know, probably about an hour with each on-camera sit-down interviewee. And, you know, you only see it like a couple of minutes yeah. in, in the actual movie. But, but that piece I probably enjoyed the most. And as far as the least favorite, the scheduling. Uh, it was like, it was like oh, a huge yeah. <laughs> Not you as know, simple as just going this. into the shop one day and saying, hey, you want to, you know, <laughs> do this? Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, because like when I did the first documentary about alternate realities years earlier, I did that the summer after my first year of law school. And so I just had that summer devoted to, but it was one location. It was five minutes from my house. <laughs> yeah. I knew everybody. It was it just, you know, the logistical hurdles were so low mm -hmm. uh, compared to this one. But, you know, did it mm -hmm. how do you go about oh sorry no no, no go ahead go ahead how, how do you go about um choosing what shops you wanted to feature on the documentary yeah i know it's funny because everybody asks that and it's a natural question like, if i were <laughs> interviewing myself i would yeah. i would be asking that same question i wish i could say there's like some secret formula to it but uh it was a mix of the the creative and the the practical and the logistical because there were some places for example uh, I had a work conference in Vegas. 
So you went to Torpedo. Uh, during the time of filming. That's how we got to Torpedo Comics and nice. Alternate Reality Comics. And mm-hmm. it's funny because, you know, I look at the movie now and it's like, if we didn't have those stores, especially at Torpedo with that vault of, of high-end back oh issues, God, yeah. it's like, you know, that was such a, such a big piece of it. And, you know, I've seen it play at screenings and stuff and like people, are, you know, always have a reaction at that point. And so it's crazy to think about that not being there, but yeah. that was really very serendipitous that I happened to be there. So <laughs> there was that piece of it. And then also the creative side was trying to show as much of a cross section as I could. And the movie's called My Comic Shop Country, so I knew I had to had to make it across the country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, five stores, some that had been around for a long time, others that were younger. And then and you see this in the movie, the you know, sort of the debate between the the older, like the old school shops yeah. and then 100%. the newer breed. So I knew I wanted to capture that as well. So the, those were sort of the two factors that were behind the stores that I picked. Were there any shops that you filmed that you that weren't part of it? There was sadly there was one uh, in Chicago, First Aid Comics, and they were on the podcast, in, uh, you know, in, in that season three. Uh, and it was just mm. I had limited real estate, you know. I knew I kind of wanted that runtime to be around ninety minutes, and mm. um, it just didn't quite fit. Uh, but through no fault of, I mean, it was you know yeah. they're 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 great. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the store, but. Uh, the owner and his staff, they wear lab coats. You know, it's called First Aid Comics. So they wear lab <laughs> oh, that's coats cool. Or medical that's coats. And their whole shtick is like they're prescribing comics to you as medicine. So it's so it was I cool. Gotta, it just didn't fit. I really do enjoy stuff like that, though. Like yeah. when you can do like something fun like that. It, it is it is a get adds like another layer of like quirkiness, I guess. Oh, yeah. 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 But no, other than that, I mean, yeah, every every place that I filmed uh, made it made it in. Yeah, Again, just, some stores obviously get more play than others, but they're mostly all there. I, I, w- I want to go to every single one now that I haven't already yeah. been to, at least. What was it yeah. like to hold that uh, Action Comics one at Metropolis? Oh, oh, so cool. It's, it's funny. <laughs> you must have seen some cool stuff there. Yeah, it was... Um, well, it's funny because the the showroom, they were, I think, in between exhibits, so there wasn't a ton in the showroom where we filmed the interviews. Uh, so I interviewed uh, Vincent Zerzolo, who obviously I know you know, uh, in that room. And then Paul Levitz, his interview was also filmed in that room. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a ton going on because they were between exhibits. And then, you know, there's the shot I'm following Zerzolo through like their stacks of long boxes. Yeah. But that was relatively <laughs> quick that we went through there. I mostly just saw the boxes. And then yeah. it was the action one. But uh, so I can't say I saw a ton else there, although there's so much original art uh, on the wall. Oh, it's yeah. really gorgeous. Uh, but the action one, it's really funny because. You know, I, we mentioned at the top, right? Like, I got into comics with with Superman and Death of Superman, my favorite character. And Superman is this little recurring theme in the movie because we open on the Action Comics 1000 release, then we have uh, the Action <laughs> One, then there's the Action 1000 signing. And again, yeah, none yeah. of this was was planned, but it worked out really nicely for me. But but <laughs> I no, enjoyed it too. That, I'm a big Superman guy. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, no, holding that was. I mean, that's uh, the as, book. You know? <laughs> it's as cool as you would think it would be. And yeah, I yeah. like the, the thing about it that really I was surprised by was if you had told me that I would have the reaction that I did, I would have said, I, mean, I don't know. Like I've seen photos of it. You know, it, it is what it is. But when you hold it, like you just really feel the history of it. It yeah. was it was something it gave me. I think it gave me new insight for why people because I've never been a like a, a vintage high end back issue collector and I'm still not. But it gave me a newfound understanding of why people are, because it, uh, it really does something when you when you hold that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Trust me. When you were holding that, my first thought was in my mind secretly. I was like, "Now run, <laughs> <laughs> now run." <laughs> 
I'm still holding out hope I'm going to open up a box one day and find one. Yeah, everybody, (laughs) you you, you and everybody else. (laughs) So I think kind of what hit the closest to home, especially for us, is when all you guys, like, were talking, you know, all the, you know, former, current employees of alternate realities, you know, you guys are all a very close-knit family. It wasn't just the people who worked there, but, you know, the regulars who came in. And it mir- and again, it mirrored our experience, and it's kind of similar to our story on, like, you know, Wednesdays we'd go buy books, and, you know, we'd get dinner and drinks afterwards, and, you know, we'd talk for hours about stuff outside of comics, you know, stuff you know, people don't care about outside of comics. And um, did you notice there was kind of like the same like crew or click at every shop you kind of went to on your travels? Not every, but in fairness, you know, some stores I was there on a Wednesday and Mm -hmm. I think I did get a sense that yes, these are the people who were there every Wednesday. Wednesday Uh, warriors. Yeah. And then other stores where it was maybe more of an off time, you know, I didn't quite see that, but that's not to say that it's not there. Um, You know, I think, and again, that was the interesting thing for me because I had found my, my tribe at my store and, you know, seeing that even if it doesn't exist in exactly the same form elsewhere, but the same type of thing is happening, like those same types of conversations. Uh, And so that was, that was really nice to see as much as I still like to think our store still had something a little, little special, but, uh, (laughs) but seeing that this, you know, it's just the importance of having that space uh, to come together and share something that you're passionate about. And, you know, I mean, sadly, this is something that, you know, was hard to come by before, right? You don't have as many opportunities for meaningful face to face, but especially now. Yeah. where you know we've all been in lockdown and everything's been shut uh you know i think you, you really realize how much you crave having that and so yeah you know that's why i'm glad we were able to kind of capture what that having that space means to people yeah i think you know us especially you know you also we've been lucky because we're still kind of doing comic stuff like people who are just you know going to the shop every wednesdays you know they're probably still talking to their friends and stuff like that but you know we're kind of still actively doing stuff it must be harder for people who are kind of like outside of like the world and like just itching to get back in kind of deal yeah no for sure you know i i uh i know it's it's a tough thing when you when you have something that's that much a part of your routine and uh, and yeah like you said it's like we can sort of uh, you know, do things like this to, to, to kind yeah. of fill in the gaps. If you don't, <laughs> yeah. if you don't have that, uh, no, I know it's a, it's a tough thing. Yeah, it's not the same for sure. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Cool. So one one thing that I've I feel like I've always thought, but it really like one watching this whole documentary by the end of it, I was like, oh, absolutely. Every comic shop I feel like is completely different, unique, has its own personality. It's like, it, I feel like there's almost no two that are the same, unless it's like Newberry Comics or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, what were some things that like stood out to you when going to all these shops that when you walked in, you're like, holy crap, that's something I've never seen before. Oh, interesting. But I mean, you know, let me let that marinate for a second. But what you're <laughs> saying, I mean, I think that's, you know, that was like, maybe the most interesting thing for me. And what I wanted to show in this is the, the commonality amongst the stores in terms of what they can do for people and the challenges that they face, but then also how you do have this variety and each store really does have its own flavor in large part due to the people generally, but in particular the retailer. I mean, the retailer really sets the tone for the store and really gives it a lot of that, a lot of that personality. Um, so it was cool to be able to show that. Yeah. I mean, as far as things that I was surprised by, you know, I mean, I mentioned it before, but torpedo, 
uh, you know, going into Vegas and seeing, you know, the the entire layout, but especially that that it's a huge vault. store, right? Yeah, it's it it is large, um, and then seeing that uh, that bank vault uh, was just incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. That really was was so striking, and this is such a stupid little thing, but uh, they for their regular uh, back issue, like the bins, the bin back issue bins, they double and triple board all of their back issues, which, uh, I don't know, that just struck me. I'm always fascinated. Like, uh, this is such a stupid thing, but we used to bag our trade paperbacks at alternate realities. Every, you know, every graphic novel on the shelf was bagged. And Mm -hmm. to me, it made sense. And I always thought that that was just the thing. (laughs) And as I've gone to all these stores, I'm like, you know, bag your trades. And I've come (laughs) to realize we were were very uh, unusual in that respect. But, um, but yeah, with Torpedo, like that was definitely something that, uh, you know, was really striking. That's interesting. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you said that because I I just got, I just got one of their mystery boxes this last week. You know, they do these mystery boxes. So I got the first one and every single book, they were all Marvel books. They were all older books, but Every one had three backboards in it. Right? Whether, whether it's a five dollar book or a five hundred dollar book, they do that. It, it, it was the strangest thing, and I'm like, why is there so many boards here? I thought maybe they screwed up, and then I'm going to the second one. I'm like, there's three more in here, and then the third, <laughs> fourth, and I'm like, this is they the really oddest don't want thing. <laughs> no. Yeah. Is anyone allowed in that vault room? Is it like always open to like walk through, or do you have to like ask to see it? Uh, that's a good question. I think it's. Yeah, you might have to ask. I don't know offhand if they keep the door open. I know, mm. I know, Gabe in his interview, he's like, "This is your swipe your credit card ticket." They don't make you do that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah I don't know offhand if they if they uh, generally keep that just open for anyone to walk in. Yeah, I don't know that yeah. I would if I own the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, agreed. So, since you spoke of like one of the people that were in it, um, there was also a lot of personalities from actual people um, that were very <laughs> different in all of those. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. I loved Lord Retail. He was my absolute favorite <laughs> uh, of out of everyone. Did you get? Did you have like one of uh, one of the favorites out of the actual people who like run the shop or like handle the day to day? Oh, I can't. I can't play favorites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was going to be your answer, but I was. I, I was curious if you had one. Someone no, that I'm really stood out. No, I'll be no, I'll be genuine. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you an answer because when I have people on my show, I don't like when they're like, "Oh, I kind of want to say." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say I, I definitely had a very positive experience with everyone that I, and that is genuine. But you know, some people, you know, there was not necessarily any relationship that continued beyond the filming, and then there are other people who, you know, we genuinely become friends. Yeah. Uh, and Lord Retail is one of them. Uh, Sean Hendricks at Fat Moose Comics is another. Uh, he's been on my podcast a bunch of times. So, you know, there are those instances and both of those guys, you know, also, uh, I think really lent a lot to the movie and they were really fun to interview. And, uh, you know, with Lord Retail in particular, and obviously, you know, he gets a lot of play in the movie, uh, the whole, you know, Acme is a great store and it's been around a long time. They built up that community. Uh, so, you know, I think it lends itself, it it lends a lot to the movie in that sense, but just the whole Lord retail alter ego, uh, (laughs) you know, that was, that was fun. Like that was my, probably my favorite sequence of the movie to put together when we got into the personalities of, you know, of Lord retail and, uh, and Ralph at alternate reality comics and stuff like that. Um, cause again, the other one that was interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that was, (laughs) that was, that was a fun sequence. And and it was like, like you were saying about the comic shops, you know, no one has this influence. I feel like the people who run them all were like different flavors too. And like, sometimes they match the shop identically and then sometimes they don't, which is completely. 
But uh, yeah. yeah, I, I want to go to every single one of those shops. I mean, I, you know, there's, I think we've been to a few, like we've been to Zap. Um, we know those guys pretty well. Yeah, we see them at every freaking yeah. show we go to. <laughs> yes, yeah, they. I know, especially every this local show area. Yeah. They they definitely yeah. have a strong presence, and they do their own con too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. I was like, I was going to go to that this year for the first time if yes. all this didn't happen. But I think we all were. <laughs> yeah, craziness. So, so one of the, I mean, one of the most the, the the different shop that you had was one that was basically a comic shop and a coffee shop. Now. I love that idea. I think uh, TC and I, we've talked about doing something stupid like that for like the longest time. It's more of a bar and grill slash um, comic book shop, but there was like a divider because I don't (laughs) want food in the comic book area. (laughs) But um, (laughs) how, I mean, I'm I'm curious how that shop is set up. I mean, does she let, does she let people read comics while they're drinking coffee? Like I was, it's it's an interesting concept. Great question, JJ. I didn't even think to ask that. And it was something that came up earlier. (laughs) It's funny because that was one of my first thoughts when I heard about this store. I'm like, and like you bring your beverage where the comics are? Like, you, know, <laughs> you might ruin them. There is a sign that says, like, please don't bring beverages into the comics area. And then I believe there's a sign where you have to purchase your comics before you would sit down uh, in the cafe side to read them. But yeah, that was, fa- that was fascinating. Uh, and, you know, they, there's, they're very active within their local community there. And, you know, we only touched on that a little bit. There wasn't yeah. as much time to get into that. But, uh, but they really do a lot. That's a whole other side to what they do. But, yeah, the business model aspect has been fascinating to me. And I don't know. I guess I'm kind of split because on the one hand, like, I share what you were just saying. It's like, like why don't more stores do this? Because at least then, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can kind of have something to pick up the slack if the comics side is slow. But I think the challenge of having, it's like running two businesses in one. And especially when you're talking food, I mean, there's just a host of stuff that that is involved with that. So I suspect that's probably why you don't see more of that. And I only know of one other one. And I think it's in Georgia. It's called Not Your Mother's Basement. I'm not sure if you guys ever heard of this, but it's an actual, it's a bar. It's a comic book shop. It's an arcade they actually do like gaming D and D and all the, in this one area. And I, I only remember them because they just announced that they were opening back up again, but you know, there's not too many. I would think something like this should, would take off yeah. and maybe grow the, 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 the comic industry somehow just to have this. Cause it's such a great idea. And, and she sparked on that. It was just, it, I love that idea. Especially yeah. a coffee shop, because I love coffee and comics. <laughs> well, Brett, that's the thing. I mean, they, you know, there's a natural fit there. There's also, I think it's Iowa. There's a comic shop and a, a, it's like a, a donut shop combo. Because I think at, at some point they reached out that's to a good me. Idea. I, I mean, it never made it there. I think it was Iowa. But, but yeah, coffee and donuts. was. I mean, uh, comics and donuts uh, was not. So, like, there are a few, but, yeah, not many. So I guess on that kind of like same thread, was there like a common theme throughout all like the shops and the owners where, you know, they see that the industry is going and, you know, what they think would help to kind of like empower um, the comic book shop? Good question. Yeah. Like, did they predict that uh, DC would, would drop dime? I, I, well, <laughs> you know, that's, that was going to be kind of my part B of that question is, you know, how do they foresee that going? <laughs> I don't think they did. Uh, but as far as, yeah, I mean, as far as, um, you know, just moving forward generally, one of the things that I wanted to show in this is are the various ways that shops are innovating to stay relevant, whether it's yeah. 
catering to those high-end collectors or carrying pops and a more diverse product line or really leaning into events and things like that. Uh, or, you know, like a, a skate pod comics on Long Island, like really carrying a, a much wider line of, of comics, not leaning into the superhero stuff so heavily. Uh, so that was one of the things that I wanted to show at the different ways that shops are adapting. And so I think, I think in that sense, I think store, I don't know that there were necessarily any stores, except maybe parts unknown in, in North Carolina. He was very much set on, <laughs> on, yeah. on what they do, but, he, he but, was I think, funny. <laughs> but I think, I think really, uh, uh, you know, again, with a couple of exceptions, pretty much everyone in the movie, you know, recognizes sort of the transition period that the industry is in and, and the need to do something. And what that something is, again, I think very shop to shop. Yeah. And, you know, I rattled off a few examples, but so I think they all kind of are approaching it a little differently, but I think they all do recognize, you know, the regular struggles that come with the day to day of running a store, but also these, these bigger picture challenges as far as just getting people into a store trying to get some sort of crossover, right? Like we saw all oh, yeah comics in the movie setting yeah. up at, at a movie theater, you know, which but makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's one way to try to get that crossover. So I think they're all, they all recognize that, but I think where you have differing opinions is on what, what's the right way to address. And I don't think there is one right answer for all no, stores, no. you know, cause it depends on where you are and what your market is. And, you know, even pops as much as I, I like to have fun with the pops, you know, it's not, I don't think every store should carry pops. You know, no. if your customers aren't into it, yeah. then why would you, but you know, whatever that, whatever it is, I think there needs to be something that, uh, you know, uh, that you can kind of lean into. And one of the things that I like that I think it was, oh uh, yeah, as well is they, they try and cater to like that younger audience too, because that's the next generation. And, you yep. know, I, you know, I kind of take it as my responsibility. I know JJ does too, cause he's a dad, you know, kind of getting our kids like say, Hey, you know, you know, these movies are awesome, but this is really rich stories are coming from. They're only taking a fraction of what there is here and putting it into a movie. And I just, I think everyone like more, I think more comic shops should focus as much as they can on getting that next generation in. And I know it's getting harder with all the, you know, video games and digital everything. Um, but you know, it's, it's really a special world that the thing that's strange is you don't understand it unless you become part of it. And mm -hmm. I think once you become part of it too, it's just like, Oh my God, like I, I didn't get into it as early as these other guys, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm an early eighties baby but i started really collecting in like 2013 and like i snowballed into it like i i fell in and there's no way getting out i don't even know where the top is anymore but it's just you know <laughs> i think people who kind of like the superhero and superhero movie and again i think this was echoed in your um in your in your film you got to try out the comics like step into a comic shop and listen i know that some are better than others and try to do some research before you just jump into like a random comic shop. But um, um, it's, it's a great um, community to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that is, uh, you know, and again, I think that was important to show, you know, the, this attempt to, you know, try to capture the next generation because uh, you know, and I, and again, like this is a, a larger question, but as far as, you know, whose responsibility is it to really nurture that next generation, you know, whether should it be these large, uh, you know, the companies behind the movie studios, behind yeah. the, the, the publishers, or, you know, more like the boots on the ground retailers doing what you see all oh, yeah doing and going to the yeah. theater. We could debate whose responsibility it really should be. But however, whoever's really behind it, I mean, yeah, I think there really does need to be that, that movement. And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, again, we've all experienced it, but it's such a rich world. And, 
you know, so much value to it and wherever you come to it. But I think especially if you come to it as a kid, uh, you know, just reading generally, um, you know, is, yeah. is a great thing. And, and, you know, being able to get kids excited about reading through comics, you know, why, why not? Oh, and then, uh, and then you yeah, building those. And I think today more than ever where everyone is so connected digitally, but, you know, to actually be in a, be in a place and have face to face and, yeah. you know, learn how to have a conversation, things yeah. like that. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so many pieces to it. It's another life building skill too. I mean, like, especially for, you know, a lot of the comic book people can be shyer, like, you know, building like, you know, relationships with one or two people. I mean, you know, our group started as like three or four and grew to like 15 people. It looks like, you know, from judging that dinner you guys were at, it was the same for you guys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can really immerse yourself. I mean, we've, connected with so many people like across the country at this point too mm -hmm. as being a part of this community people who wouldn't have you know talked to any any other way and it's just really great um just out of curiosity where do you get your, your comic books now your new comic books you know it's funny i don't i haven't i'm not currently reading uh any monthlies uh okay. anything i'm reading i'm reading in trade but uh oh yeah comics Oh, okay. is in Harrison, so that's very close to me. I'm in White Plains, and okay. uh, Spider's Web and Yonkers uh, is, is the other one. Uh, it's, you know, neither one is super convenient, and it's funny because, <laughs> you know, we're talking with 20 to 30 minutes. It's not that big of a deal, uh, but so. when Alternate Realities was there, you know, I could be there five, ten minutes, and mm -hmm. then, you know, it makes a little bit of a difference, but, uh, does, but those are the yeah. two stores closest to me, and then uh, Undiscovered Realm uh, is right here in White Plains. That's where uh, I get my pops. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so uh, going back to alternate realities, uh, you know, at the moment the shop is dead. Is there any any way to revive that? I know. Well, I won't spoil the ending, but yeah, the way the, the movie leaves off, it, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's certainly something that if the right circumstances aligned, I would, I would definitely be interested in yeah. bringing it back in some form uh you know it meant so much to me and if i were able to do it and and sort of create that space that you know was there for me you know i would love to uh obviously there are a lot of different aspects to that uh, i think if there there are a couple of other guys who were associated with the store where if we kind of all decided we would do it like it's not something i would take on myself but if Big thing to there do were others who, yeah, if there were others who were kind of, uh, you know, initiating it as well, and if it was the right people, uh, and then, you know, the financial aspect of this is, is a reality. Um, so if there were a way that I could do it where, you know, it uh, wasn't overly burdensome and I, I you know, <laughs> I didn't have to rely on it for, for a living, uh, at least to start. But it's interesting, you know, I, I'm no expert, but I, you know, I've worked at my store for a long time and I've been to all these other sites. I've talked to a lot of retailers. I've seen a lot of shops. I mean, I like to think I would have some, some, uh, you know, some insight as to some of the pieces that might make for a successful store. So yeah, there's, there's that aspect of it too, where it's like, Oh, put your money where your mouth is. Really do this. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's funny because on the, my podcast last year, the, the last episode, I brought a few of the AR guys together and we sort of speculated like if, if, we were ever to bring the store back. What do, would you need to have for it to be alternate realities? And it was an interesting mm. little thought experiment because it's like, well, would it have to be in the same spot or the same general area? Would it the same layout? Would you know Steve, the owner, like what sort of presence, if if any, would he need to have for it to feel like alternate realities? Uh, so that was kind of interesting to discuss because um, that's the other, and I, that's the, I guess, the flip side of all of this is. 
I, you know, it would break my heart if we tried to bring it back and it wasn't the same and it didn't work and it failed. Um, you know, cause I, as sad as it was that the store left, you know, it left because Steve decided he had enough and he shut down and that was it. It didn't go out of business. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he had to close. He just got tired of doing it. And so we, like the store got to have a finale, which, you know, uh, it was by his own choosing and everything. And, you know, it was, we had this cathartic you know, moment. We all came together. We broke down the store. That was it. We had a big dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, like it had its arc. And so to reopen that, I would be a little, uh, not a little, but a lot, you know, it would really have to be the right set of circumstances, but yeah. possible. Although, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that too. It's like, do you just call it alternate realities or do you have to put like a, like a subtitle or something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so did the final product of the film come out to like the way you envisioned it or was there anything that kind of like, you know, you really wish would have happened in, Oh, um, no, I would say it's interesting because I didn't have, like, I didn't have a, you know, I mean, a documentary, you know, not, it's not fully scripted, but I didn't really have a script going into this. It was more like a lot of the story kind of came together uh, as I was editing it. Like I knew going into each store, the questions that I was going to ask and things like that. But as far as exactly the form it would take and the, what the, the through line of it would be, I didn't really have at the outset. So I don't know that I had like as crystal clear a vision of like, this is what the finished product was going to be. I knew where I wanted to go and who I wanted to talk to and what I wanted to ask, but a lot of it came together as I was, as I was editing. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with how it came out. Um, you know, the little things like uh, as far as something that didn't happen, um, I had hoped to go on a ride along with Ben from Zap Comics when, uh, you know, cause he goes around all the time buying collections and uh, he was on he was on board with this and the idea was yeah i would film him going to make a deal and uh, that would have been a really cool piece to include but uh, unfortunately it was a little bit logistics and scheduling but it was more that none of the potential sellers he was dealing with no one wanted to be uh and i said i was like you know we don't have to you know i can cut out whatever people want cut out like i tried to you know make it make it work but uh yeah people just you know weren't really comfortable having the deal uh, on camera so that was one thing that like would have been neat to include but <laughs> yeah, uh yeah. you know but but no, overall i got what i wanted to nice so it kind <laughs> of met, met, at least met uh your expectations yeah yeah nice. awesome so you get you've gotten a lot of buzz from it um we've we've noticed um was there was there, was there something that you were nominated for I apologize. I, I tried to do my research, but I think I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, it did. So it played at the uh, Chain New York City Film Festival uh, back in August, awesome. uh, and it did. It did win an award. Uh, it was the Best New Work uh, Award, uh, which was very nice. Uh, oh, you know, very cool. uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, my various projects have played at festivals, and uh, I, you know, I know it's <laughs> like oh, it's an honor just to be nominated. But honestly, <laughs> I, I'm always. When, when any one of my projects like, gets into any festival, I'm just, I'm happy that it got in. I'm never really yeah. thinking about uh, awards. So uh, yeah, to win something was, you know, was really cool. And we did a and a after, and the moderator was one of the festival organizers. And, uh, and this was like its first, like official, official screening. And, uh, you know, he was just so into it and like really, really got what, what the movie was about and what, what I was going for. And that was really gratifying. It was nice to, to get that outside. Mm-hmm. you know feedback on it so uh so yeah that was really cool 
Oh, we definitely think that oh. we, we got it too. It was um, it was very well done, and we really enjoyed it. Um, I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm ready for a part two. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I know people have gotten <laughs> the question a little bit where people have said like, would you do a sequel? And uh, I. I doubt it, uh, you know, and I know now obviously the comics retail landscape, you know, has changed and is poised to continue to change uh, as we're moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that that's a story I would want to tell, like how the shops have, you know, been hit so hard by the pandemic yeah. and now, you know, uh, who knows what will happen now as far as comics distribution and, and the fallout of all of that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, so nothing that's immediately on, on my horizon. So just, you can just go. Like, you can you can do this my comic book world and take it global. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'd like to see. I'd like to see international South shops. Africa. Yeah. South Africa and, and anywhere else. Russia. Like, show me a Russian comic book. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because that was my initial idea. Was uh, my wife and I were thinking about a trip to Italy. We ended up not not doing it. But my initial idea was like the, the last shot of the movie. It would be me in Italy walking into a comic shop and the voiceover would be like, okay, like we've explored America. Now there's a whole world out there. And then, uh, so that was the initial idea. And then I, we flew to a few of these destinations uh, to film my comic shop country. And I saw just how challenging it was to get through <laughs> the airport and security and the plane with the equipment. And that was just domestic travel. And I, was like, <laughs> I really, I don't think, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it would be it would kind of be a lot to manage, um, but you know we'll see. If you if you ever will change your mind, we'll co-produce with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the thing, you know. If there were maybe a larger operation behind it, but as far yeah. as like really yeah, self-starting something like that, uh, there's just there's a lot. But it would be cool. I mean that that, that the thought definitely was on my mind. <laughs> so just so everyone's clear on it, so how can people watch my comic book uh, country? Did I say that? My comic shop country? Yeah. My comic, my comic shop. shop That's okay. Country, Most people, yeah. a lot of people uh, <laughs> substitute uh, book for shop. But, but yeah, so my comic shop country, uh, you can rent or buy it on Amazon or uh, iTunes. Oh, great. Nice. Oh, it was on iTunes. I could have watched it there. I did Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, the price, is, the price is the same on both. Awesome. Yeah, I we I mean this is no pandering at all. We definitely highly recommend anyone watching it. Uh, I mean, buy it, watch it a couple more times. I mean, I I, I probably should have watched it two more times before yeah. we even spoke. Should have. Yeah. I, I definitely want to go back, and I'm reaching out to all those guys because I t- tell them that I, I love their work. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other projects going on that you want to share now, or that you have your eyes on for the future? You know, documentary-wise, I'm really giving a lot of thought as to what the next subject is going to be, and I don't have that yet, so I don't really have anything to tease on that front. But uh, podcast-wise, uh, you know, my comic shop history, we have uh, five seasons uh, that are out, and that's on Apple Podcasts oh. and, and everywhere else. And the first season is all about the closing of alternate realities, so we really get deep into that, and then we expand out from there. So, uh, you know, if people watch the movie, if, if they like it, I think they would enjoy the podcast. And then... Uh, at the end of the year, I am going to be starting up a Superman podcast series, uh, which I'm, I'm excited to do. Uh, and nice. I feel like it's a long time coming. And uh, I, I kind of held off initially when I first started podcasting. And I really just focused on the comic shop world because I was like, I feel like I have something I, you know, uh, you know, a little bit you know, unique and specific uh, to share. And I'm like, you know, there's so many comic book podcasts, Superman podcasts, but I'm yeah. at the point now where I just, I really, I just want to do it. He's my favorite character and I really want to explore why. 
uh, and kind of share those stories that shaped my fandom and, and also take the opportunity to delve into stuff that I, you know, as much of a Superman fan as I am, there's plenty of, plenty of stuff mm-hmm. that I never watched or read. And yeah. you know, like, this is now a perfect opportunity to, to do that and share it. So, uh, so that'll be coming uh, around the end of the year. Nice. That's cool. Do, you, uh, yeah. do you have any people that you want to talk to in terms of the Superman super fans? Let me know because I, I got one. not just myself, but I know I know a lot of other guys too who are who are yep. super super fans. <laughs> all right, good. We'll all right. We'll talk then because yeah. that, that'll be great. All right, that's awesome. Um, so guys, definitely uh, make sure you check out my comic shop country yes, and <laughs> um, listen to Anthony's podcast. I'm sorry, say the name one more time. My comic shop history. All right, so it's very easy to remember this. This you change history and country, right? Is that it? <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yeah. Gotta keep that branding <laughs> consistent. Awesome. Well, good luck to you, Anthony. This is really cool. Thank you again for making that um, the documentary. It was it was amazing. We uh, we found really it cool. Very interesting. We hope everybody else goes out and uh, watches it as well. All right. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate all the kind words and thanks for having me on. This was really a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Thank yeah. you. We gotta well, give a shout you. out to uh, we gotta give a shout out to Jeff Bondock. Yes, we do. He did bring all this together. Um, we uh, we gave him a Shocking. little plug in the beginning of the episode too that we thanked him. <laughs> uh, we, oh. love him. We, we pick on him. He's definitely. I don't know. Sorry, it's us. We definitely pick on him a lot. <laughs> he's he's an easy target, unfortunately. <laughs> Very easy. You know, I got- the the thing about Jeff is uh, he's you know my best friend from law school and one of my best friends generally and uh, you know as far as you know we all have like the different aspects right of our lives and so for me you know I went to law school and now I'm the director of admissions at the law school I went to so I, there's that whole side and then there's the comic book fan who does these podcasts and documentaries and it's a very very small group of people who <laughs> have are part of both of those worlds and, and Jeff is one of them yeah, you know and he true. came to the first screening of my first documentary when we were in law school and you know he's been here now with with this one too uh so yeah now really good guy and i'm glad that uh we were able to he was able to help connect us yeah that's great all right i'll make sure i'll make sure he's employed for another week or two <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks i've again, got that Adam. power yes you do all right thanks thank again you. for joining us man this was awesome thank you very much right. take care all right we're back that was an awesome interview what did you guys think about that interview I right? think it was the most awesomest time I've ever had Me doing too. anything. That, it was cool. So that was uh, it was again, even better than was, the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was Anthony uh, Desiato. Desiato, got to catch this this documentary. My comic, my comic shop country. Um, you know, you can catch it on all, any of those on, video on demand shows. Mm-hmm. But it was awesome. I I really liked it. I want to, you know. I, w- I would definitely see it again. Just, just, to, just it was, just to have it on in the background. It's I totally cool. don't know what I expected going into it, but I, I loved it absolutely. Go be yeah. goes to a shop every Wednesday. You know, you got to, you got to catch it. Oh uh, yeah, we should do, we should do one next. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Why not? Yeah, do it. We'll do a kick. We can do a Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> Get Billy Tucci on board to give away art for us. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we can do that. But no, that was cool. And we, you know, again, thank you very much, Anthony, for uh, sitting with us. It was that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah. I'm glad you know he took the time away to ch- to chat with us. Absolutely, it was a lot of fun. Thank you again. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're gonna go back to one of our fun segments. I think we've only done this once so far. But we're going to play Unpopular Geek Opinions. <laughs> Who wants to take it away? Why don't you? You got a lot. No. Fine. I will. <laughs> so, 
My first unpopular geek opinion is I think that Doc Ock is a much better villain in the Spider-Man universe than Green Goblin. Enough I... Green Goblin. Hmm. We've had enough. Doc Ock is far superior. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to agree with you. I'm going I'm to agree with you just because of that story. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I've always liked him as a villain. I feel mm-hmm. like he's always tested mm-hmm. Peter more. I feel like um, what the heck's his name? Norman Osborn. He's just always like killing people. It's just like yeah. I feel like he like it's almost like annoying. Like they over um, like not over analyze. They like I, I, I'm I can't think of like how I want to phrase it right now. But mm-hmm. I feel like they put like too much emphasis on like what he's doing, and he's got like these like secret motives, and he's got like these grandmaster plans, and it's just mm-hmm. like they get like boring. Yeah, um, I've I've always liked the interactions. Even I mean, again, like I'll say it again. I've read all Amazing Spider-Man, but he, like I've always enjoyed his interactions so much more. Maybe the very very early stuff with Green Goblin was cool before you found out who he was, but after that, it lost kind of all its appeal. I'm in the '60s right now, reading it, Amazing Spider-Man, and the Doc Ock stuff is much better. <laughs> yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, I, even, I, I, even this early on. And I always think it was. I, the only time I thought the, the Green Goblin stuff was really good was before you found out it was um, Norman. Yeah, it was kind of crappy after that. Yeah. Although that issue, the number 40 was 39 and 40, that, that two-issue arc where um, where you found out it was him. Yeah. The, or when the, Peter, right when Peter that, found out it was yeah, him. Yeah, right until that arc was over. Then it yeah. was like, eh. Yeah. And then they gave him, like, what, amnesia, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he... Um, he totally like when when Peter was beating the crap out of him or whatever in the fire. He totally forgot who he was. Yeah. yeah. So Peter was like, "Oh, this is convenient." What's great is I have no say in this because I have no idea. I don't read <laughs> that. The only thing I can base this on is the movies. I love the Doc Ock in the movie. The guy that played him, I, he just played it so well in the movie. Was awesome. and I, uh, what's his name? What's his name? The guy uh, who played him. Uh, yeah, played him in the movie. That older guy. I really like that. I like the character in that movie. I don't know enough about him in the comic books. And same thing with the Green Goblin. I mean, in, in the movie, the Green Goblin was superior, for, farly superior, in my opinion. Than Doc Ock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, William Dafoe compared to the other guy, uh, Alfred Molina, is uh, Alfred Molina. Yep, yep, yep. Um, oh, William Dafoe was William Dafoe should should have been the Joker at some point. That's how good William Dafoe mm-hmm. is. I love William Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, that was my rant. What I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in the same vein with Spidey. Um, <laughs> JJ's I'm, got nothing to say. <laughs> no, because I again, I'm like sixty something issues into Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Ditko, Steve Ditko, created so much of the early stuff. Stan's even said that he wrote a lot of those stories, and mm-hmm. Stan just kind of came in and filled dialogue. But Ramita's art is one hundred thousand percent better in every way, <laughs> every single way. Yeah, like I can't even go back and read the the Ditko stuff anymore. Yeah, uh, l- listen, it's it was like like we were saying when we when we interviewed Jimmy um, Palmiotti, mm-hmm. he was a great storyteller. Like panel to panel, he was really good at that. He was not any way near as superior an artist as John Romita, though. John yeah. Romita was much better, like clean mm-hmm. artist. Like his lines were clean. It's just it looks like you're you were reading like an upgraded book. It's, it's yeah. almost like going from the golden age to the silver age when you go from Dicko to, to Ramita. Ramita 
hands down my favorite Spider-Man artist. Yeah. I think there's a couple guys who come close, mm-hmm. but only because they try to draw as close to Ramita as possible. Mm-hmm. Like who, someone who took over right after um, Ramita, I forgot who it was. I, I, I wish Bojo was here. He would know the name. But whoever picked up right after him tried to model his style completely. And it was... Did it work? <sighs> yeah, I think so. Those, those okay. co- I haven't read them yet, but those covers in the hundreds are awesome. Listen, it gets really good. It gets really good until the like late 80s, I would mm-hmm. say, the mid to late 80s. It's really good. All through the 70s, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, what about you, JJ? You have one? I'm still thinking I didn't have All enough right. time to prepare for this part. <laughs> I, I'm almost happy that you do. You don't have one right now because I want to follow up on what you said. And this is probably also an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's very closely related to what yours. I do not, I think JRJR, uh, um, John Ramita's son, is a little bit overrated. He's. a little bit Uh, so i don't mind his spidey stuff i actually think it's it's not bad his superman stuff and i just picked up my weekly books this week and he did the i don't know if it was the action comics or the superman comics cover i don't he did his superman at all he did superman was the book he did when he jumped onto dc right a couple years ago i remember being so excited to pick that up and i opened it i was like i was reading i was like Mm, yeah it's like very like box it almost looks like yeah kirby art but not good kirby art. yeah and and i love the guy he's really nice guy and there is some of his art he's and i think i spoke to bojo about this at one point he changed his art style for sure because he was like trying to draw like his dad for a while and then he tried to change it to like his own twist and i'm not that big a fan of it Mm -hmm. That wasn't Fair. even on my list, but I meant to put it on my list, and you bringing up John Romita Sr. reminded me. That's fair. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, not not a fan of the Superman. No, and he did, like... He has credits to that, like, other guy. So one of the books where he, like, has this, like, supernova power where he, like, bursts out all his energy, but then he goes... Oh, yeah. Lit. Like, he was part yeah. of that arc. Like, he create, co-created, oh. like, the character that came from. I forgot who it was, but mm. it's just... Eh. That's a shame. <laughs> I wish he would go back to his old style. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any more? Maybe we'll, we'll we'll change it up from from. I got one that's very unpopular, and I don't know if you'll agree with me. Actually, um, I've owned one. I owned a nice copy for many years. I love the cover. I love the character, and I think people always will. But I think that Hulk 181 has no business being as expensive as it is whatsoever. <laughs> no chance I, in hell. I'll be honest. Agreed. I, do, I don't think it's that unpopular of an opinion. Um, I think the problem is, is that the market's just moved on it. And it's just everybody wants one. And I think people are hoarding them. And that's why anytime one comes up for sale, people are just buying it because they're like, hey, as soon as somebody gets announced as Wolverine, I'm offloading all mm-hmm. of these. Do you and know if, if that's... you had... Go ahead. Do you know how many are graded on the census? Thousands. What, 45,000? Not that many, but 13,000. That's... Which is massive for a bronze book. It's, yeah, more, than mean... mo- it's more than any silver book, I think. More than most, most modern books. 
The problem is though, I it's it's always gonna be a money book. Yeah. The thing is, when you think about it, in terms of comic books, without a doubt, and people can argue with me all they want, he's their second most popular character. Next to Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Like yeah. I can't even think of like another like I, like you want to talk about the movie stuff, mm-hmm. like yeah, like Iron Man was huge. People still aren't buying Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You can still you can probably get a nice Iron Man book cheaper than you can get a Hulk 181. Mm-hmm. And that's a Silver Age book. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's not even slightly rare is the thing. But no. you know what the thing is too? A lot of people want... There's a lot of higher the, right? rated ones too. Like there's, there's a like, ton. There, there's tons of low grade ones, but people all want a, a nice high grade copy of that book. Mm-hmm. There's easy, I'm, I'm from... just doing quick math in my head, but there's 2,000 copies graded 9.0 or better. Yeah. Listen, and percentage-wise, considering it's still like a forty-year-old book, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty big percentage. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that when I think it's going to dip, is once everyone who's hoarding them sells them, sells them, that's when you're going to start coming down mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, well, I wanted a nine zero, and now there's seven hundred yep. for sale. Now oh, I have my pick. Yeah. You know? And I think thirteen thousand graded how many do you think are raw sitting places? You know, people probably have boxes of them in their basements yeah. from when they came out. People yeah. probably bought a short box of them and they're just still stowed away somewhere. I don't know how many are still raw though. I feel like as soon as someone who knows what it is, finds it, like it gets graded immediately. Mm-hmm. So I would be, I've seen, I've, be seen lots, I've seen lots, I've seen lots of pictures on Facebook and I, you know, IG with people having, hundreds a lot i'm gonna say hundreds but a lot of ungraded ones mm-hmm. i mean they've stacks of them um just, i don't know just me personally unless i got it for an incredible price at the right time you wouldn't catch me dead with that in my collection i don't trust it at all uh, i might i, I might I, be inc- i might be incredibly wrong but see, I don't that, trust that's it. the thing I, I trust the book i don't trust i don't trust super, it to hold this value super high price now the, the problem is it's very high right now. It's probably at its peak. I would not buy one now is the thing. Um, once they all go up for sale. But I can see it after that. It's, it'll go back up. Like, I think it'll get back to the value now and probably stay there for a little while. Like after it, it nosedives at some point. Hmm. But I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be scared off from that book. It's still the second most popular character. It's basically like having the, DC, the, the Marvel equivalent to the first appearance of Batman. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, because mm-hmm. Superman's obviously the best um, DC character. <laughs> um, no, that was that was a good one. I think that's a highly debatable. I mean, almost as debatable. And like, I won't make this my talking point. Is the fact that it's really not his first appearance. No, and that that's what pisses me off about it. What the one eighty? Like that, that I get his first appearance. That I get. And there's, it's there's. Go ahead. No, I mean that, that. I mean this is this has been debated so many times, and it's yeah. aggravating to read all these debates of people like, no, no, it's one eighty one. No, it's one eighty. You know, the first time he's in a book, it's one eighty. That's his first appearance. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. But if it's someone asked, someone asked you, I want to go and read the first time Wolverine had a story in a comic. What do you tell them? One eighty, and then you start from there. Well, you can start from there. You really? I, imagine, I mean, I, he listen. doesn't have a story though. He pop, He's literally at the last panel on the last page. Okay, I haven't read. I've never read yeah. any of that. But you know, yeah. I, I would imagine. You know, me. 
if I'm going to read a story, I'd kind of like to get, you know, if, if I'm coming in the middle of it, you kind of want to read a couple issues beforehand to kind of I, get I mean, yeah, the, the, the story before it. is about him fighting the Wendigo, the Hulk fighting the Wendigo. And the next one, like he kind of shows up like the, the Canadian government, like lets loose weapon X. And listen, it's, you know, to this day, I, I have no idea what Wendigo looks like. <laughs> oh, he's like, um, I see his name everywhere on the freaking labels. He's like a big white, like, abominable-looking snowman. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I, I would love, like, for someone to publish, like, what makes an official first appearance. Because mm-hmm. you guys know I'm collecting Mary Jane. Like, like, I love Mary Jane, anything Mary Jane related. There's, like, seven cameos of Mary Jane before it gets to her first appearance. Because mm-hmm. they you know, they listed as... And then it's, she's in the last just cameo. It's like... It's like first, uh, first cameo. Uh, but even the one where she's in the last panel, she says face, face a tiger. That's, that's, consi- that's, that's a cameo, consi- right? That's considered a cameo. Mm-hmm. So the first full is, is the next issue mm-hmm. where they go on the date. 43, right? Or 42 yeah. or something. And she doesn't even come on the cover until like 16 issues later. Which is, I mean, because you can't say like, oh, when they make the cover, that's their first appearance. So I was like, yeah, but what if they've been in the story for like, you know, 17 issues? You can't say like that's their first appearance as well as on the cover. She appeared in like the 20s or something. What's that? She appeared in like the 20s, but they didn't show her face, right? Well, the, her first mention was like in the 20s. Mention? Like 20s. No, I think mention was very early. But remember she like came over to see Peter and she was sitting on the couch, but she had a hat on or something? Yeah, it was like a lamp. It was 25. Yeah. 25. I think before that, like she, um, Aunt May says like, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to get you a date with um, her, her friend, uh, Mary Watson or whatever. Mrs. Watson's nephew, yeah. Uh, yeah. Niece, niece, Mary Jane. Yeah. But crazy. Yeah. All, right. All right. Let's go ahead. No, no. I was just, all right. <laughs> you have any more you want to wrap up? Um, I'll do we should... one. You want to wrap up? One, one more. You can do one more. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do a positive one. Because I broke these up into negative and positives. <laughs> of course. I think William Shatner is a far superior actor than people give him credit for. Can't comment what on this at all. Character? Never seen Star Trek. <laughs> What's that? You never seen Star Trek? Never seen Star Trek. No. I mean, he's great. Like, listen, he's not bad. In it. Like, I feel like that whole like pausing when he was talking came a little bit later on in his career. But if you watch like. I never watched the one where he's a cop. What was that one called? T.J. Hooker. Yeah, I, I've seen like a l- little bits and pieces of it here and there, but he was fantastic in Boston Legal. Did you ever watch? He was so he was hilarious. Him and James Spader were the only reason I watched that show. They were amazing in it. Like I think he was just being shattered too, which is probably like he's a, kind of a jerk, which is fine. Like I'm I'm not speaking to his you know his um personality i'm just talking about him as an actor i've always enjoyed him i've never had any problem with all the crap that people give billy billy shatner listen you know when you when you watch him in those early 60s star trek and then watch him you know the tv shows and then mm-hmm. watch him in the movie i mean there he's he's two different people in that you know he oh, acts yeah. differently than he does in the tv show than he does the movies and stuff like that so 100 you know, percent and I loved all the movies too. I loved all the Star Trek movies. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought those were great. I mean, you know, obviously in terms of Patrick Stewart, like I love the next generation. 
Like as a show, the next generation was fantastic. But I loved the original Star Trek because my dad liked it and he got me into it as a kid. Like Spock, right. definitely my favorite character from the new one. But I mean, William Shatner was a handsome guy. It was always fun. You know, he always got into like crazy situations that they managed to like tussle their way out of. It was just, I, I, got, you, I got you back in terms of acting, Mr. Shatner, even though I hear you're huh. such a nice guy. <laughs> we won't get into uh, Tommy Mileta's story about him. That'll be for another time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's about a wrap for us today. Uh, do we have any announcements to make? At Con, June, what's that weekend? 26th to 28th. Mm-hmm. And we will be showing up one of those days. Yes. Yeah, be prepared so to be ready. Days. Come with Keep... full pockets ready to give yes, all your money yes. to us. Wait, don't spend any money until we come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but we're really excited about that, guys. Um, you know, hopefully things are starting to open up. We can um, Maybe we can look forward to some shows happening at some point you Mm -hmm. know we're able to go to our comic shop a little bit more but things are looking up and uh please continue to support us spread the word about um don't feed the geeks we are on uh youtube now so if you're watching us you see this tell people we're on youtube uh subscribe like us um you know say stuff in the comments and uh we're gonna have a lot of giveaways and stuff um happening soon you know we've appreciated all the you know the huge boost and uh, followers we've gotten, and we're going to, you know, pay everyone back who's been uh, supporting us. So mm-hmm. thank you guys very much. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, at LA Comic Guys, and at Don't Feed the Geeks. And that's my public service announcement. Very nice. Is that all we got? That's all. That's it. All right. So remember, until next time. Don't Feed the Geeks! Don't Feed the Geeks!